You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 162. This week, we are so, so thrilled to have Coach B on the show. Coach B doesn't really need an introduction, but if you guys... But we're going to give him one anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give him one anyway. If you're like living under a rock in the uh, community of weightlifting or CrossFit, then uh, you need to know that Coach Bergener is a pillar in the CrossFit and weightlifting communities. And we met you, Coach B, at the games. And I have to say, I was a little intimidated to meet you. <laughs> and... <laughs> Your and, reputation precedes you. Yeah, you have quite the reputation in our community. And I was talking to Shane Farmer, and he's like, you should just go talk to him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but it's Coach B. He's like, go say hi to Coach B. So I did. And of course, you're like so welcoming and so nice. And so um, I think the love affair started too with Mom Sandy because she was just like smitten with you. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a lot of questions that our listeners are just excited that you were on the show. We're thrilled to have you and uh, we want to get started kind of a basic background because, you know, I know this may sound silly, but we just want to know like how you started in the weightlifting world and then also how you crossed over to CrossFit. Wow. You want the long version or the short version? Let's do the short because we have a million questions too. So you can, you can uh, nutshell it if it, but, but don't leave, it, leave it out any important details. No, no problem. Uh, um, I went to, I went to college at the University of Notre Dame on a football scholarship and uh, I was a very underweight, weighted defensive back. I was about 165 pounds and the coach told me that I needed to gain some weight. And so he sent me down to uh, the weight room at Notre Dame, which was run by a Catholic priest by the name of Father Lang. And Father Lang was really big in the Olympic lifts, the snatch, the clean and jerk. And, and also at that time, it was a clean and press. So there were three Olympic lifts. And uh, um, I went from 165 pounds to 182 pounds in over six months in oh my, my 40 time. Yeah, my 40 time went from 4.5 to, to a 4.45. So I gained weight and actually, uh, uh, you know, and gained speed, you know, got faster. So that's basically the way that I started. And uh, uh, I had this love affair with Olympic weightlifting and the competitions within that environment at that time. And, uh, uh, and I stayed with it and decided that, um, you know, this is something that I would like to do probably for the rest of my life. And then from there, I, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and I was a strength coach at the University of Kentucky for a while and getting my master's degree and then uh, uh, got involved in high school teaching and became a strength coach at the high school level teaching physical education. And, and in my environment of PE, I taught weight training. And uh, my kids' final exams were uh, proficiency in the snatch and the clean and jerk and the squats. So that's basically how I got involved in keeping with the weightlifting and then uh, I did weightlifting seminars for uh, USA weightlifting and coach Glassman called and asked if I'd do a seminar for himself and his athletes and to certify them to USA weightlifting and I said of course and I did and he, he came down and uh, we struck up this you know friendship uh, through you know through the, through weightlifting and it was uh, kind of just a neat a neat deal, and he asked me to come out to Golden, Colorado, with him to do a seminar, which lasted three days, and uh, you know, and I did, and then the rest is history. You know, just I've been involved with it since day one. I was the very first SME subject matter expert within the CrossFit community, and uh, and CrossFit's been a blessing for me and my family since then. 
That's crazy. I live in Golden. I had no idea that's where the, the magic began. Yeah, um, the very, very first one. <laughs> Um, how do you think that CrossFit has changed weightlifting or that weightlifting as, you know, kind of the influx of the subject matter expert style coaching has changed CrossFit? Well, I, I really believe that if it wasn't for CrossFit, USA Weightlifting would still be stuck in the dark ages. Uh, I, I was heavily involved in USA Weightlifting for a number of years. I was on the board of directors and and uh, we had to beg and borrow and steal to get a cold beer to run that organization, basically. <laughs> and and if it, if it wasn't for CrossFit coming in and, and bringing in, you know, bringing in people that knew the importance of uh, the snatch and the clean and jerk in the CrossFit world. And I don't believe the membership would have nearly as grown as uh, as much as it had. I mean, you went from 3,000 members to over 15,000 right now. And, and you know, you, you look at an organization that really didn't have any money whatsoever. Uh, and CrossFit comes in, and people are in the CrossFit community are hungry for knowledge. And uh, uh, those that wanted to compete and weren't good enough to be in the CrossFit Games. I mean, it just took off. They learned to compete in weightlifting and learned to do both of the sports, weightlifting and CrossFit, at the same time. So uh, I'm very loyal to to CrossFit and very thankful for what CrossFit has done for weightlifting. Yeah, and I mean, I was just watching the um, Olympics yesterday, and you have Morgan King, who started out as a sure. CrossFitter, and that was kind of, kind of a cool, I mean, a really cool thing to watch. I mean, I think she set a new, what was it, a new American record in the yep. Snatch? Right, she did. That's exactly right. And then that girl from Australia that took second place, she's there right now. Yeah. When does she yeah. go? Uh, I am not sure. Hmm. I don't know when that when the weight classes are competing, but she's yeah, she's uh, she's the real deal. That's so crazy, and it's crazy to me too that weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting, is a sport that you can get into in your later years. You know, not later years, but you know, and and you can get into a little bit later in life as opposed to you know, Olympic gymnastics or swimming or any of these sports where it seems like if you didn't start as a teenager, you have, or much younger in some cases, you don't have any hope. You know, a lot of the weightlifters, you don't get started until you're in your 20s or so, and you can still go on to have a really, really successful weightlifting career. Yeah, the beauty of that is that it, it doesn't stop when you're 30. Or any, I mean, right. master's weightlifting is 35, and it goes all the way up to, you know, to 80 plus. I mean, there's there's guys that are competing still as 80 year olds and uh, and different weight classes. So it's 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 a very desired sport and it's very community oriented. I wouldn't say it's as community oriented as CrossFit is, but it's still as you get into that master's level, it, it does become very much more community oriented than at the lower levels. So how many years total have you been a weightlifting coach? Whoa, boy. I, I was actually coaching weightlifting at Notre Dame when I was a student because I just kind of went into it hog wild, <laughs> loved it. And so over 50 years, I mean, I've been I've been coaching athletes and, you know, teammates and what have you for 50 years. What's your favorite thing about coaching? Uh, getting into an athlete's head. And being very, you know, some athletes require you to be very positive with them and that, you know, you have to build them up. And then other athletes require a little bit more disciplined and and they're a little bit more stubborn. You have to deal with that. So for me, it's it's learning to take an athlete that has great potential or not so great potential and just turn them on to the sport that we have and trying to make them as good as they can possibly be. And my next question is going to be, what's the hardest part? But I have a feeling that might be one of the same. 
It is. Well, of course, it, it really is because you you know weightlifting is it, it's, a, it's it's involved with three things. It's the snatch, the clean, and jerk, and and you know then you have to make your body strong and and you know we deal with mobility, speed, and strength in that order at the beginning. And and of course you have some athletes that just want to go out there and lift heavy weights, you know, right off the bat, and their technique is grip and rip it, and you know. Of course, when they're when they're strong, they can they can lift heavy weights up to a point. But then you know they come to that point, and the body strength is not what it should be to lift that particular weight. Yeah, the wheels just start coming off. Yeah, they just start coming off. So you know they're again getting in that athlete's head and making them understand that stance, grip, and position for the for the movement patterns are foremost. You have to stance and grip are easily it's no brainers, but positions are. You know, there's a thousand of them, and we have to be able to hit those positions, and and you have to be able to show them, you have to be able to convince them, you have to be able to get in their head, you know, uh, of being able to practice and drill the things that they need to be practicing drilling to make them as good as they possibly can be. If you were to talk to somebody who's like, you know, maybe just got their level one or has been coaching level one for a little while, but is still relatively new to coaching the Olympic lifts, what advice would you give them? Because we have a ton of listeners who are new-ish coaches or, you know, have been coaching for a while, but are still really building up their repertoire. So what do you think, I mean, I guess first are some resources you would recommend, but also what are the biggest things that you see in early coaches and sort of nascent coaches that you wish that you could say, hey, you really need to, you know, stop doing this and start doing that or, you know, whatever that may be. Well, everybody, I, I like it. I liken it to that beginning golfer that goes out on the golf course. I mean, what does he do? He goes out and buys a bucket of balls. First of all, he gets he gets golf clubs that are very expensive, thinking that's going to make him very good. And he's going to go out on the driving range and he's going to put the bucket of balls down. He's going to tee up the ball. and He's going to be start hitting the ball with the driver you know and that and and weightlifting is no different you know it's it's one of those things that if i was a if my advice to a beginning level one crossfit coach would be to absolutely take the crossfit uh course obviously which is my course but it the reason is that because it teaches the goals and objectives of my course is to teach coaches beginning coaches how to teach that soccer mom whose best friend just lost 30 pounds by doing this thing called CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And uh, now this gal's walking into the weight room. She's walking into the CrossFit box. She's intimidated as hell anyway. And she gets me as the coach. Now, what do I do? I mean, and the, golly, the, the boot camp or the, the fundamentals and deals with this thing called the snatch and the call the clean and jerk. Well, what do I do? Well, the very first thing you do is you talk about the fundamentals of teaching, stance, grip, and positions. And the the most important part of that is what comes with that is the drills. Mm-hmm. I'm a dr- I am an absolute drill Nazi, you know, and I, I believe that the burger warm-up and the skill transfer exercises have to be done on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And weightlifting is one of those sports that requires explosion uh, against the ground with your body. And the body that creates that explosion are your legs. Your, your, your feet are against the ground and you drive up just like a normal jump and you create acceleration on that barbell. But if I brought that lady in that, that I'm going to be working with, I walked her into a gym and I told her to, I want you to tell me what this exercise looks like to you. And it's a snatch. And she said, well, that guy's just pulling the bar over his head. That's that's exactly the issue and the problem that we're dealing with. 
It's people don't know what the snatch is. They don't know what, you know, is required of the snatch. They don't even know how to identify what the snatch is all about. So, the, but the burden of warm up and the skill transfer exercises allow that athlete to become involved in the CrossFit community. But on a daily basis, they work those drills, those 10 exercises with just PVC pipe, and they become knowledgeable of what you know, each position will do for them in terms of their weakness. And something that I have struggled with, so I'm just kind of thinking personally of doing CrossFit and doing weightlifting and CrossFit is that I don't feel like I do enough of the Olympic lifting drills to improve. Sure. So how, I guess, how can we feel like we're making some type of progress as CrossFitters in something that really takes such dedicated time and we have to respect the sport so intensely to improve. Right. And I always tell people like when they, when I'm coaching athletes who are like, oh, I just cannot get this. I always try to remind them like, listen, we work on this maybe 30 to 60 minutes a week at most. You have people mm -hmm. who dedicate their lives to these movement patterns. And here we are in the gym, maybe doing drills a couple minutes a day at best. Right. You know, With how, all the different movements. Yeah. Of right. Well, see, that's the beauty of the burden of warm-up because think about it in terms of this. I'm going to bring you in. You're going, to, you're going to walk into the gym door. You're going to put your shoes on that you have. You're going to do whatever you're stretching that you want to do. And then the very first thing after you get that taken care of, we're going to have you do the junkyard dog. And the junkyard dog is nothing more than a jumping exercise. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Envision yourself sitting on the floor with your legs straight and your arms out to the side. And then you, you're with a partner, and, and the partner's on your right shoulder, and the partner jumps over your arm, then does a left face, jumps over the legs, and does another left face, jumps over the arms, and does an about face, and comes back. Well, that's two reps of a jumping exercise that creates explosion. So I'm giving you a drill right off the bat. We're going to do that 10 times, and then we're going to switch partners. And then the second part of that is that the other partner is going to get down on her hands and knees and you're going to jump over her body and crawl under her body. She's going to raise her bum up in the air, get off her knees, make an upside down V. She's going to crawl under her body. She's going to jump over the body, crawl under the body. Again, I'm doing body jumping and body hardening exercise. That puts me in a framework. And then I go right into the burden of warm-up and the skill transfer exercises. Now, that whole timing of doing both exercises takes less than 10 minutes, and I will guarantee you it is one heck of a warm-up. Now, not only that, the first part of the burden of warm-up is called the down and finish. Well, what's the purpose of the down and finish? Well, it's called speed through the middle. So I'm saying down and finish, you're saying speed through the middle. Down and finish, speed through the middle. So I'm engaging you to focus and concentrate on what this drill pattern is. It's not just out there saying, hey, honey, what are you going to do for night tonight? What's for dinner? Hey, you want to go get a beer after this thing? You want to go get a pedicure, Coach B? Yes, I do. <laughs> You know, I mean, whatever the point is, is get but little, I have wait, to get little little barbells painted on your yeah, toenails. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 the point of being conscious and aware of what the drill means and why we do the drill. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I, I you know, you've got 10 exercises in your toolbox, so to speak, that will pertain to any weakness that you have. 
And I, and I get that every single day. And then guess what? I go, go ahead and do Murph after that. Go ahead and do Cindy or whatever the hell you want to do. But the point is, you get that every single day. You practice the drill every single day. And those are the little things that dot in the I's and crossing the T's that will make you better. And it'll make you better faster than the guy that goes out and grips and rips it and takes it off the floor that way. I like that a lot. And I, I, um, I personally have some feelings about junkyard dog. I, it is my, one of my warm ups. I love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, it. Join the crowd. You know, I know. Right. <laughs> you know, but that, that's gotta be a, a good sign. You know, there's nothing, nothing worthwhile that I don't think kind of has that aspect of loving to hate it. Speaking of things I love to hate, let's talk about the hook grip. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you, you know, if you were with me, there would be absolutely no discussion whatsoever about using the hook grip. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, the hook grip is, is if you will just give it a two-week time period of doing, doing that every single day, I will promise you, you'll be driving down the highway in your car in a hook grip. I was just about to say that. So I finally, I have t- really tiny hands. And yeah. so when I first started doing the hook grip, it was so uncomfortable. My, my thumb just wanted to rip out from under my, my fingers. Sure. But that was a couple years ago. And I've gotten to the point now where literally I'm in the store hook gripping my shopping cart. I have a little, I have a nine month old. I hook grip his car seat. Like sure. literally anything I put my, I like, I find myself in these interviews. I'm hook gripping the microphone right now. Like anything <laughs> my hand goes around now, it goes right into the hook grip. <laughs> Well, it's that frame of mind. Tell me that that hook grip's not a very powerful feeling. You know, it, I mean, it, it really it's, is. It, it just kind of comes within. And I, I mean, I'm sitting here, got both thumbs in a hook grip right now, talking to you guys, and I feel so much stronger when I am using that hook grip. And you know, for me, again, I was a school teacher and I gave grades out. But anybody that didn't use a hook grip, I'd flunk them. And it, you know, it, it just became, oh God, you got to use the hook grip with Coach B. Don't let him catch you not using the hook grip. And you know, and and I explain why. It's not just Coach B says you use the hook grip, but it, <clears throat> I explain why we use the hook grip. And uh, uh, you know, they buy into it. And if if their fingers are short, if they're, you know, they're sore, then I I tell them to tape. Tape their thumbs, get that stretchy tape and straight tape their thumb and it's it's much more comfortable than not using, you know, that stuff. And I, I remember I took a one of those little classes they do at the CrossFit Games from you in twenty thirteen, I wanna say, and you had us, you know, do the chant, I will always use a hook grip. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've used that in my class and people are like, Claire, really? I'm like, do it. You. Yeah, that a girl. <laughs> Can I ask a silly question of what you're meaning to about the grip and rip of the the common mistakes? Well, a grip and rip is just going over the bar and picking it up off the ground any way you can, as fast as you can. And, you know, we use a common saying in the beginning of teaching the weightlifting is slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And what this athlete will do is, is they'll go down and grip the bar and just pick it up as fast as they can, and they won't hit the positions. Mm-hmm. And so it puts them in a, a very awkward uh, situation of not being able to use their legs and their hips and, and, and creating acceleration on the bar. Most people that hook, you know, that, that, you know, just grip and rip or, or people that their butts will be raised up in the air. They're going to lift the weight with their lower back. It creates, can potentially create injury in that situation. So, you know, again, getting back to the fundamentals, you, you want to go stance grip, which I said were easy before, and then you want to teach positions and the positions of a snatch 
in a clean and jerk, there's you know there's thousands of them that you have to hit, and that becomes the art of coaching, being able to get that athlete to hit those positions while they're learning slow as smooth, smooth as fast. But then we want them to be able to hit those positions, bringing the bar off the ground, you know, as as, as quick as they possibly can. You know, that's you know that's 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 them. They can do that, or they can go slow as smooth, smooth as fast. They can mm-hmm. do that situation too, as long as they're hitting those positions. So I think that like oh you know everything we've talked about so far pretty much applies to every single lifter you're going to see walk in the door, and we're kind of curious you know how do you see so you know obviously girls, girls gone wild. Most of our listeners are women. How mm. do you see women approaching weightlifting differently? Do they approach it differently? Is there anything, is there, you know, are there any ways that you coach women that are, that's a little bit different? Well, I, this is a, I'm going to digress just a second Please because I, I was the uh, uh, junior world team coach and uh, uh, they asked me if I wanted to be that. And obviously I said yes, but he says, Coach B, it's going to be for the girls team. And I about had a heart attack. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm going to be working with these girls. I said, guys, you know what I'm like. I'm a freaking Marine, and, and you, you know these girls are going to be intimidated by me, and they're not going to be able to do what I ask them to do. They're going to be afraid of me. And they said, no, I don't think you're, I don't think you're right, Coach. You're going to see for yourself. So I, we ran a camp, and I went out to that camp, and I was absolutely not going to baby these girls. I was going to kick their ass, and I was going to take names. And I was going to show, show these people that I was right, that I – Coach B cannot coach women. So I went out there, and the first workout that we had, I told them that. I said, I don't know how in the hell they made me the women's coach. I have no idea, but I'm going to kick your lady's ass, and if you think I'm going to be easy on you, you're crazy because I'm not. And so, you know what? They took everything, everything that I dished out at them. I mean, there was no whimpering. There was no crying. There was nothing. And, you know, being an old Marine, the next the next uh, uh, workout session, they come walking into the session, and they have this book called The History of the Marine Corps that they went out at lunchtime and bought me. And I'm going, no, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I am going to still kick your ass. You are not going to. You're not going to win me over with you're these not gifts win me over so i did i went back the next and i was harder on them the next workout i mean i had them carrying plates with their fingertips i had them going up to corners standing at attention and asking permission to go to the next corner i mean i had them treading water in the middle of a swimming pool and i mean i I did everything you know to discourage them and to show them that they couldn't handle this kind of discipline well the next workout they brought me in a chesty puller doll and a, and a chesty puller is one of the most famous Marines of all time. And, and you know, at that point, they got me. <laughs> you know, I gave, it, I gave it everything. I gave them everything they could handle. And they came back for more. And they came back not just for more, but bearing gifts. Oh, yeah. Bearing, bearing gifts. And at that point, I absolutely would rather coach women than men. <laughs> women don't have an ego. They yeah. don't, they will listen. Uh, you know, men are basically shitheads. She's my language. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you like it is. I mean, the women that I work with, they will listen, they'll pay attention. And, you know, but I will say my wife won't pay attention to me. So. <laughs> That's because for her, you're the shithead, Coach B. 
Yep. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I would much, much, much rather coach the women. They they make better improvements because they'll listen. They want to improve. They'll do the discipline. They Their egos are not out there where I have to lift heavy weights. And they pr- improve at a much faster rate than, than the men do. Do you feel like you see women, um, you know, coming in feeling intimidated? And how do you approach, like, a woman who's really – worried whether it's you know we always hear this thing like oh I don't want to get bulky or it's just like you know this sport is not something I've ever in my entire life thought that I would be involved in weightlifting does not sound like something that a woman is supposed to do you know how do you approach that mindset that a lot of women have I embrace it you know I mean it, it's it, what am I going to say to somebody that is af- afraid of getting under a heavy weight mm-hmm. you know uh, you, uh, well that's okay I understand you're being afraid. I, I really, truly feel that for you. And, uh, but we have to overcome it. I mean, the women bear children. That's the hardest thing in the whole world Amen. for them to do. And, you know, and there'd be a lot less children in the world, by God, if men had to bear them. I <laughs> promise you that. And, and so women are ingrainedly very, very tough and motivated. But their, their fear they have a fear of getting under that heavy weight. And it's up to you as the coach to recognize that fear, but we have to overcome it. And it takes time to overcome that. And and the way you approach that and the way you drill them and the way you give them one kilo at a time improvement will encourage them and give them confidence so that hopefully, eventually, they will become unafraid of getting underneath that heavy weight. The bulkiness is, is you know, it's a testosterone freaking estrogen thing it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's a diet thing and you know it, it's I dealt with high school kids I mean I dealt with 15 16 and 17 year olds and and of course I would I would go around campus looking for Asian Mexican white small females that had large butts and excuse me for putting it like that but but that is those are the people that I tried to recruit into my PE classes for weightlifting and of course they would see me coming and they <laughs> and they would run the other way you know and and then but eventually they would come into my weight room because I showed an interest in them but they would come in because they wanted to be with the boys. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all the boys had, you know, they were egotistical and they wanted to show how strong they were. But the, the ladies would end up listening. And our teams predominantly were comprised of, uh, I mean, we had women teams that were very, very successful at the at the uh, junior level and the school-age level through the women's, you know, so. That's really interesting. I actually, I, you know, I... And have been always been curious, like, okay, you know, if there is a body type that is better to recruit for weightlifting, you see, especially in women, one of the things I love about the women's field and CrossFit is for the men, I feel like there's a very specific body type. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're looking at these guys who are like maybe 5'9", five, 5'10", five, somewhere between maybe like 180 and 200. And if you're outside of that, you're going to have a tough time. But with the women, you have a much bigger spread. Right. Um, and so I've always just, you know, have been curious what is the body type you look for in weightlifting. Obviously, CrossFit, you know, there's so many other factors, but I like that. Just a little with a big butt. Yeah, that's well, it's, it's <laughs> take take a look at my daughter in law. I mean, she's uh, she was a level 10 gymnast before she took, uh, you know, took on the sport of weightlifting. And 
I mean, her she's beautiful, beautiful woman, and she's you look at her though, and and she's walking down the street, and she doesn't look any different than anybody else on because she's got jeans on or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, as a coach, you I hate to say this on air, but as a coach, you that's trying to recruit athletes the first thing i look at is their tush you know i mean it's it's is it is it a flat skinny butt with long legs well that athlete can be a good athlete and and, and that athlete can be a national champion but that's not the body type or the somotyping that i'm looking for it's mm-hmm. uh, it's that gymnastics build that you know that that we're 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 looking at we'd like to have the 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 nice legs and the foundation and that you're going to be able to build that up with you know yeah. so that little mini brick shit house yeah exactly i mean a, a perfect person that i would recruit for olympic style weightlifting is is uh camille i mean she is the gymnast yeah. and she's she's the girl that's got the perfect body for for olympic style weightlifting she's a short body you know the josh bridges i that's mm-hmm. i mean I'm, i've tried to adopt josh bridges and dan bailey for years you know i'm not i mean i love garrett fisher he's a good man but he's too tall for me you know unless i could get him to weigh 130 140 kilos which is you know 286 to 308 <laughs> yeah. pounds you know so yeah at that point, you're looking at a whole very different Garrett Fisher. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he's gonna have a harder time pulling off that haircut. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, he's probably wouldn't be able to do a muscle up, but I guarantee you that he'd be snatching about 160 kilos and cleaning, cleaning jerk, and uh, you know, 200 kilos. I guarantee you. So for um for like just the kind of average female weightlifter what do you see and i guess female weightlifting crossfitter what would you say are, are good benchmark weights if whether it's a body weight snatch or you know whatever that benchmark is is there something like that that you try to get people to that point and say okay this is a really good benchmark for you to that shows that you are a proficient weightlifter like is, are there benchmarks that you put out or is it just vary by person no i put it out there and it, it does vary to a certain extent because you have weight classes I mean, if I have a, a, a CrossFit lady that comes in and, and, and she's she's old, she's wanting to lose weight and she's but she's motivated and but she's weighing, you know, 260 pounds, then this benchmark is not going to work for her. So mm-hmm. but my benchmarks are body weight snatch and one point two five to one point five uh, times body weight in the clean and jerk. So, you, you know, that's what we're not going to be there. I mean, when I taught my PE classes, my kids were drilled so much. That first 18 weeks, the very first semester that they were in my classes, they didn't snatch. They, I mean, they didn't do a full snatch or a full clean and jerk. They, you know, they did all the movements. They drilled, drilled, drilled the fundamentals. And then the second semester, we started lifting the lifts, you know. So it takes a long time to get into even – even getting those benchmarks, you know, in play, starting to train those benchmarks, because I'm, like I said, I'm such that drill Nazi that that we have to, we have a lot of ground to cover, and we don't have a lot of time to do it. I mean, 18 weeks is a long time, but I only got them for an hour a day, you know. So, you know, they may. We kept the weight room open after school. We kept the weight room open before school, and of course, Mike's gym is my two car garage, and kids would come up here and and train after school, you know, because I, I had four children and they were all lifters and they bring their friends in and we started developing our program right from there. Does it just kill you when you see people who are like 
first, second week, CrossFit athletes going in and being, you know, doing Isabel or doing Grace or, you know, doing these workouts where they are performing the full lift, maybe even under load? Or do you just kind of take the approach of like, there's more than one way to skin a cat? It's not the way that I would coach it, but it's not necessarily the wrong way. Well, I, I don't, you know, the, the problem that I had with Isabel and Grace is the time component. I mean, Josh, Josh Everett is, you know, he's like a son to me, number one. He was our very first CrossFit experiment back in 2005 or <laughs> six, And, you know, Josh Everett was a national competitor in weightlifting and in the 85 kilo class. I mean, he was legit. Mm-hmm. And, but then when we came into CrossFit and, uh, you know, Isabel was introduced to him, uh, you know, I mean, he can do a sub 60 second Isabel. And uh, him and uh, uh, Camille's husband, Dave Lipson, were face-to-face in, in Colorado Springs doing Isabel. And they were, I think they were both under 60 seconds or one of them did it in 61 seconds or whatever. But the technique was just absolutely terrible. But now, now let's, let's go on and take my daughter-in-law, Natalie, who was a 2008 Olympian. First time she did Isabel. And she's never done CrossFit before in her life. But the first time she did Isabel, it took her seven minutes to do it because her technique was proficient. She mm-hmm. set up the same way every single time. She stamped her feet. She had this little routine that she went through with every lift. And she didn't do touch and go. She snatched it, dropped it, set up to the bar, snatched and dropped it. And, you know, 30 reps, it took her over seven minutes. Well, at the end of the 30 reps, she was on the ground in a fetal position, just like all CrossFitters love to be in. <laughs> right? And, and about about three or four days later, I told her, I said, now, let's do Isabel again. And she looked at me like I was freaking crazy. But she said, I said, now, don't, don't put down the bar. Just do touch and goes. Yeah. She got under three minutes. That was the second time that she did Isabel in her life. And she got under three minutes. And her technique was flawless, absolutely flawless. Now, it wasn't 60 seconds. It wasn't under 60 seconds, but a pretty daggum good time. Yeah, well, and that kind of begs the question, like, can you do 30 very technically sound snatches in under 60 seconds? Absolutely. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. It would be tough. It would be very, very tough because when you look at Lipson and you look at Josh Everett, they were basically doing stiff-legged deadlift muscle snatches. Right. Like you see in the open, those guys do it where you're just like, you might as well just have anything in your hand right now. It wouldn't even need to be a barbell. You don't even need to barely call this a snatch. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. You can do that kind of workout with PVC pipe and it's still going to kick your ass. I mean, it's it's not something that I would like to teach. Uh, because of you know, in in my world in weightlifting, I would not teach it, but I understand it. I understand that you know you're you're looking at a time component. That's what I understand. So uh, right, you're going you th- for intensity. I'm going for the intensity there, and you know, I'm not going to say a word to Josh, but he's going to come to me and he's going to say, "Well, what'd you think?" And I'm going to look at him. And I'm going to shake my head and then walk away. <laughs> You know, and he understands. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. (laughs) No, I'm not even disappointed. It's it's just I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the way that I will do it, and there's a couple of reasons why. Because when he does that, uh, that type of workout, later on, you know, maybe an hour or two, he's got something else to do. 
and he's going to be worn out from that freaking workout you know i mean that's a tough workout to recover from you know when when you're when you're just gripping and ripping and stiff-legged deadlift with uh you know 62 kilos and the muscle snatch you know there's not there's, it's, it's all muscle strength and speed there's not much technical proficiency in utilizing the large muscle groups of the legs to create acceleration you know so yeah, it's a little bit tougher. I, I watched Kendrick Ferris do uh, Isabel once, and it was the same, you know, same thing you're, you're talking about, that it was like, these are just two very different ways to approach this workout. Kendrick Ferris is a hell of an athlete. So. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. I can't, like, the fact that he squat jerks everything yeah. is unbelievable yeah. to watch. This is probably dependent on each athlete, but do you feel like there's very specific accessory work that really helps athletes with Olympic weightlifting? I, I I think in the real world of Olympic weightlifting, if I had my way, I would snatch, clean and jerk, and front squat. Those would be my go-to exercises. And in in all my years of coaching, I've never been able to have an athlete that's that's all I did was mm. snatch, clean and jerk, and front squat. All these years, I mean, I'm you know, I mean, I had I had a son that's a, you know, that was a 2008 you know, alternate on the Olympic Games. He actually was chosen for the Olympics, but political pressures won out. But uh, the, the point is, is that he was one of the best that I have ever coached. And uh, I couldn't even with him do snatch, clean, and jerk, and front squat. Right. He's been weightlifting yeah. since he could walk, and it's still, he still needed more work than that. He, he needs you, – you, what you have to do is understand that you're going to compete in the snatch and clean and jerk and then you have to train your weaknesses, mm -hmm. whatever those weaknesses are. And, you know, in, in Olympic-style weightlifting, the bar is uh, accelerated through the legs. So you have to have strong legs. You have to have a strong core. You have to have a strong posterior chain. And I think the biggest problem that I see, even in the CrossFit community, and I do know in the Olympic weightlifting community, that the posterior chain is absolutely not strong enough. And, you know, I mean, uh, the abs, you may have a six pack in the abs, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for the strength in that core, you know, core movement patterns, you know. So you have to identify every athlete and what their weaknesses are and how I'm going to make that athlete stronger in those positions so that it will carry over to the proper snatch in the clean and jerk. I heard something recently that I really liked. It said, any skinny asshole can have a six-pack. Yeah, well, exactly. It's <laughs> kind of true, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's probably true, you know. But uh, uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen Olympic-style weightlifters like the Regert and, uh, you know, uh, these different different guys from the European countries that have six-packs and they're weighing 230, 240, you know, and they're lifting massive weights. Right. Yeah. You know? Or you look at like someone like Annie Thorostadter who like you can pretty oh. much see her abs from across the room if she's wearing a sweater. Sure, sure. <laughs> or Brooke, you take a look at Brooke in. Oh, yeah. Exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. They're all, they're all coming out there. But that, you know, for me, that's diet. Yes. You know, that, that's, that's the clean, healthy lifestyle and eating, burning a lot of energy through CrossFit and other things that you do. But, you know, I, I would challenge them to be able to have that posterior chain absolutely worked as much as it and get it as strong as they possibly can get it, you okay. know. Yeah, you know, I, I used the Russian weightlifters, you know, back in the day that these guys were doing good mornings with what they're clean and jerking. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 they're strong. I mean, and even even myself as a as a lifter. I mean, I was doing back extensions before there were glute ham extensions. We didn't have that. And we would just do, you know, back extensions on a on a plumber horse and we'd put a barbell behind our back and we would start doing back extensions. And we got up where we were doing back extensions with over 200 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Our posterior chains were extremely strong. This is making me really want to just, like, go do some Superman holds. I and know. Some... <laughs> I want to go do some uh, glue ham raises. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, gonna work on my butt after this. So the next time you see me, you'll be like, "There's a, there's a short girl with a big butt. Get her over here." Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be tough because she's had children. Both Claire and I went through our level one, and there's a lot of CrossFit coaches that kind of get pumped out after your level one. And I found that coaching lifts is so incredibly difficult. What are some good resources that you can point fairly new coaches to, to really develop? A- apart from the burger and robot. Yes, of course, to help really dial in and keep practicing. I've, I've noticed for myself, it's just a lot of practice, but um, I'd also love to know some resources that you would point people to that are newer at coaching to really help coach the lifts. For me, I mean, you know, I, th- I think that YouTube is a wonderful, wonderful tool. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm 70 years old, and to this day, I spend a majority of my time watching weightlifting on YouTube, and I break I break down the lifts, and you know there there's there's three pulls in weightlifting, and they're very critical. Each one there's a setup, and then there's the first pull, the second pull, and the third pull, and you know y- you want to see what is happening with those pulls from every each athlete, and then trying to dissect it into what what's wrong here if 90 percent of all missed lifts according to coach bergner are missed through the feet what is happening here with this athlete why did this athlete miss that lift why does this athlete why is that athlete successful what is what is this athlete's position like to make that athlete successful and you got to understand that you know there's professional athletes that are out there that are at the olympic games but at the same time they're you know these guys are good But, you know, just video people and break that lift down and uh, and study it over and over and over again. You know, and it's and I that's that's what made me, I believe, a good coach because I'm a very visual learner. I studied it. Uh, you know, as as much as anybody, uh, Iron Man magazine through Randy Strawson is a great resource. Uh, Jim Schmitz has got books out there that's a great resource. But by far the best book that you can get is Greg Everett's books from Catalyst Athletics, and and he really breaks it down. If you're if you're more of a a reader and you want to read it, then he's got the best book in the world as far as I'm concerned. And Greg was one of my athletes. Uh, him and Amy and I, who are married now, were one of my athletes. And, uh, uh, you know, he's put together a resource. and He's got like three or four books. And and they are truly, truly outstanding. That would be the only book that I would, that I think besides Jim Schmitz in the early days is, is books that I'd recommend. But YouTube is full of stuff with videos that you can watch and you can dissect. And with you can pause frame by frame and look at the frames and... Uh, and and just you know study it from there. Well, okay, Bergner calls. You know, here's here it is. There there's the lift off. There's, you know, there's the mid thigh. There's the hang. There's and then uh, you know, 
from what you've learned by that, you know, identify the weaknesses and the strengths of athletes and see if you can put it together. But it takes a long time. It takes study. And I've been in 50 years of coaching and I'm still learning. You know, I mean, I, I've got, I, I'm learning continuously and I'll get somebody that, you know, that is new to the sport and they'll bring out a cue and I'm stealing that, you know, and, 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 and I'm supposed to be teaching them. But guess what? Now they're teaching me. Well, and it's got to be just infinite possibilities with every single different person that you meet. I mean, everybody and every, you know, way of learning is so, so different. Exactly. That's the beauty of coaching. It's yeah. not just one way. It's like you, you, you said it earlier, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to say to the guy that doesn't have the perfect technique but snatches a world record? Good job. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I'm going to say. And, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything but that or, or, or some guys that, you know, they bend their arms by and, and bring the bar into their hips. But they're setting, you know, personal best and they're snatching over 140, 150 kilos. What do you say to that person? I don't say a daggum thing, except I'm over on the sidelines, you know, clapping, saying good job. You know, it's and that's not the way I would teach it to them when they first started but they've they've got habits in place and i'm not going to try to change them right and apparently it's working out just fine for them it's working out just fine (laughs) exactly how do you feel about weightlifting belts and all the accessories especially for women we like our accessories (laughs) joy may or may not have bought a very brightly colored Uh, and patterned weightlifting (laughs) how do you feel about you know like the importance of weightlifting shoes and i know a lot of people that are getting into crossfit feel like they have to buy all the gear where do you stand on that well i stand again you're looking at two different situations here you're you're looking at a crossfit coach who's not me and you're looking at an olympic weightlifting coach who is me mm-hmm. so for me when i coach athletes i've got a garage full of shoes that you know reebok has been nice enough to send them to me and and when people don't have weightlifting shoes then i i loan them lifters to to lift in and the reason i do that is because of the the squishiness, so to speak, of a nano or whatever shoe you're using against the ground. So there's going to be that little bit of deviation where you're not going to be able to drive hard enough or as hard against the ground, creating acceleration on that barbell that you would be able to do with weightlifting shoes on. And so for me, I, I want all my athletes to be you know, to be in weightlifting shoes. Now, I totally get why why the CrossFitter is not going to be doing, you know, weightlifting shoes all the time because he he may have, you know, a situation where, you know, the first of all, the weight is lighter, uh, but he's got to, you know, he's got to go quicker and he might have to go to another exercise. He's not going to sit down and take the shoes off and put his weightlifting shoes on. That's just not what's going to happen. So I understand that you have to be, prepared for both but in the real world of olympic style weightlifting i don't believe that you will find anybody from the american open up that that is at that level without weightlifting shoes on do you what do you think about weightlifting barefoot um i'll stand by my last statement (laughs) fair enough yeah is there anything at the games in the future that you really want to see more snatches and clean and jerks (laughs) touche coach b touche (laughs) 
I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to read. You know, my, my, <laughs> I, I love, I love CrossFit. I love what CrossFit's done for me and my family, and we're very loyal to CrossFit. Uh, but I, I got to make it clear, I am not a CrossFit coach. I mean, I, do, I do CrossFit as a geezer, but it's, you know, it's geezer CrossFit is what we call it. Where did that my, come from, by the way? Because I love, we got a lot of comments on that shirt that you had on in the picture that I posted, which is. It just says geezer strong. Uh, you know what? I have I have no idea. You know, I mean, I just one of the days. I, I guess I, I was just thinking about all my buddies coming up here and just thinking, shit, man, we're all geezers, Jesus. <laughs> and it, and it just came out, and it became very first. You know, the very first shirt was geezer proud. I'm, you know, I'm seventy years old. I'm proud of it, man. I'm proud of being able to do the things that I do in my in my gym. You know, and we work. Our geezers work our butts off, but we understand too. There's different levels of geezers, and I'm not even a geezer anymore. I'm just an old fart now because I'm 70 <laughs> plus. You know, so. is that the official age age yeah, range? The, well, you, you what you have is you have a 50 year old to a 59 year old. You're an old man, so you don't you don't garner the respect that a geezer gets. But you know, a 60 to a 64 year old is a geezer. And then a 65 to 69 year old is a super geezer. And then a 70 plus guy is an old fart. <laughs> now, I've got a friend of mine who's 80 that comes up here. He's kind of been my mentor forever. And we're going to start calling him super, super old fart, you know. <laughs> and I probably, I guess, should make another shirt that's got that in there. But uh, for right now, we're we're standing fast. Yeah, you got it. You should you should correspond it with like the you know juniors, masters, geezers, old farts. <laughs> <laughs> you got to open up a new weightlifting category. Well, you're, you're it's it's amazing how many non old men still want that shirt, and they'll <laughs> they they may they may buy it for their dads or their you know significant other or whatever but it's uh i i took i buy them for the gym and you know and for my my buddies who are all geezers and and uh and i had a couple dozen left over and i said well hell i'll take them to the to the games and put them in our booth to see if they sold crap those things sold like uh, if i'd had 10 dozen i probably could have sold them all i know i want to get my uh my grandpa is 87 and every single day he still gets up and goes to the gym he does his curls he does every year on his birthday he does uh however old he is he does that number of push-ups and that number of sit-ups i'm like man i gotta get gotta find that shirt for him (laughs) yeah that's good and and there's there's a there's a group down in south america i believe they they uh Viejo is the Spanish name. I understand that means old man. Mm-hmm. And vieja is old lady. So they actually have a shirt that says Viejo strong, Viejo pride, and you know the same same type of situation. Oh, really? So, so I'd like to think they stole it from us, but uh, who knows? You know, so. <laughs> came to your independent conclusions that the older oh, you get, the more the stronger you really are, or the more appreciative you are too. Of being, yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah, just enjoying life and living it to the fullest. Well, you kind of teed up my last question, which is enjoying life and living it to the fullest. Is there any good life advice that you want to give our listeners as far as like, yeah, we train really hard, we work really hard, and yeah, we're talking about fitness, but we also need to enjoy life. So what's what's a good piece of advice you can pass along? Well, I, you know, for me, it's, I really, in, in my life, work I've tried to remain humble and you know and I've, I've had this this saying I've heard it several times from other people but you know either either be humble or get humbled 
you, you know, and that basically says, you know, don't take your life too seriously or take yourself too seriously. You know, try to, you know, the old golden rule still resonates with me. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. And uh, be passionate about what you're doing and, and, uh, and go out of your way to help other people. And, uh, you know, at, at Mike's Gym, we don't, I don't, we don't charge a cent for people coming up to Mike's gym and, and, you know, we open up our house. We never have charged anything. We open up our home. My wife is a freaking saint first for putting up, <laughs> for putting up with me. And, but, but next is how many wives would allow 40 people to come into a two car garage and use the bathroom and toilet paper and walk and all that kind of stuff, you know? So I, I think it's, you know, if you're passionate about somebody, or something, and you're good at it, and you make yourself good at it, then give it away. Give it to somebody else to make them better. So then, you know, you if you if you give it away, your your life and whatever you have coming back is going to be multiplied tenfold. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome advice, and I just have to say that your spirit completely embodies that. And I remember, like I said at the beginning, of how intimidated I was to talk to you because you think someone with that much experience is going to be kind of like well, and you know, it's like you know, it's well known yeah. that you are a marine. Well it's like, known. oh my gosh, I'm going to go yeah. get barked at. And like the second I met you, it was just like you just exude this happiness and this love for life and this passion of spreading all of your knowledge in a way that's just so welcoming. So I just I love that you said that, and thank you for all of that. Well, um, I appreciate that, but remember, you haven't taken my course yet. So you, <laughs> that's true. You, yeah, you he's gonna know, he's gonna have you, you tread water I'm, out there. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, when I cross the line, I become a whole different person. So you. Better <laughs> like yeah, don't be misled. You're like, yeah. wait, wait on that judgment right now. Well, Coach B, I will definitely, I'll, I'll be back to uh, reevaluate my uh, my opinion of you after the course. <laughs> Evaluation. <right? laughs> Oh my gosh. We'll stay on the line, Coach B. We're going to wrap up this episode. And you guys, you listeners out there can find Coach at mikesgym.org. And then he's also on Twitter at Coach Bergener. That's Coach spelled out B-U-R-G-E-N-E-R. And you're also on Instagram, right? Yeah, I am. But, uh, you know, our, that website, mikesgym.org, is, uh, it, I, I keep it, but it's non-functioning. There's uh-huh. a lot of Got a lot of great information, but the best website to get us on for our free programming is www.crossfitweightlifting.com, and that's uh, that is a free website. We don't charge anything for it, and it's uh, it gives out weekly weekly CrossFit workouts and it gives out weekly weightlifting workouts. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and thank you for supporting the podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media, Snapchat. We're GGW Podcast. And remember to leave a five-star review on iTunes if you like us. You can also leave some feedback and let us know what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to see in the future. We will see you next week. And thank you, Coach B, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys.